Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it is spring ahead. The clocks have moved forward, so it's 9.05 if you're listening to the, the weekend show and you're thinking, hey, what's Merle doing here already? Well, we've uh, lost that hour, which we do in the spring. Doesn't feel quite like spring out there yet. It's only minus 21 out there right now. So hopefully this is the last uh, day of this as usually spring ahead is the first sign of spring coming and our days uh, definitely feel longer. We get, we get the, the longer evenings, which is nice. So anyways, looking forward to, to, uh, to spring, which I'm hoping Mother Nature has given us winter, a long one here. And uh, and then we'll get a nice little spring happening, and then obviously a great looking summer, hopefully. So I did see a forecast that said it uh, could be a bit of a scorcher this summer. So I'm okay with that. Give us a cold winter, a little bit, good spring, nice warm summer. And I just remember as a kid, there was always lots of snow on the road like this, and sort of throughout the whole winter and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe just I just think it's the cycle going back through and and away we go. Good morning, Terry. I believe Terry Kemper's with me as well. Hey, good morning, Merle. How are you doing today? Doing really good. Good. How's the fog out your way? Uh, not too bad actually. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm a fair yeah, bit not... here right now. So is it? Um, yeah. So they kind of say that old ninety days from today. We could get some moisture, so that would give us April, May, kind of mid-June. Uh, we can use a little bit of a break in between there. So mid-June, give us a little bit of moisture after a awesome May and first half of June, a little bit of moisture in between, <laughs> and then we can continue on to summer. Sounds perfect to me. So, yeah. Anyway, so. The good thing is that all of this uh, extra moisture in the form of snow is going to be um, – just you know so beneficial to our tree shrubs lawns uh i'm expecting uh things to look pretty good as we uh come into spring here with all this all this extra all this extra snow absolutely no i've been uh i had the snowblower out this past week and i was some of the piles i had around i was just blowing it underneath the the big spruce trees and that just to help do a little bit of that snow farming get some of those piles out of the way and Put them somewhere useful, useful instead of just melting and going uh, down the drain. But and it actually the forecast doesn't look too bad. Like it's sort of just it's warm. Like tomorrow, sort of plus seven. Then actually Tuesday, Wednesday, a little bit plus one, plus two. But it's not going to be that drastic heat up where it goes to ten or twelve, and everything just melts right away. So it's going to be a nice slow, gradual melt all the way until. Yeah, March 26th, even like this plus highest warmest day is plus four. And uh, so that's that's good. Just a nice slow little melt. But when the sun does come out, you definitely feel those heat units a little bit more. So anyways, looking forward to to getting along with spring here. And uh, and uh, here, yeah, yeah, all the way to March 26th. Like that's, and we, you and I were joking about that a couple of days ago because typically – April 1st, 2nd there, we plant, we have a big uh, concrete planter out front of the store that we put right. out. <laughs> and typically we plant our pansies out there um, April 1st. And that was just a tradition that 
has carried with me from years and years and years ago when we we used to move all of our pansies outside um typically april 1st when we were growing them and because we just need more greenhouse space so the pansies got shoved outside and they'd be frozen solid <laughs> for a, a week or two but they always just firm right up but this yeah anyways just worked always good we threw a granule of fertilizer over top similar to our green it up lawn fertilizer and then that would give it the nutrients they needed to to revitalize and get going again in the spring and summer so anyways that's they're, sort of uh, where we're at yeah they're a tough little annual so uh, it's <clears throat> it could still happen this year you never know um, yeah no i i'm still planning on doing it so uh hopefully we got a few spring <laughs> flowers in the in the in the greenhouse and it was great to see i know I, you and i have sent a little list back and forth today of some topics to to touch on and if anybody if you do want to join us phone lines are wide open this is the talk and text line you can call in at 403-974-8255 that is the talk and text so you're uh more than willing or more than um, able to join us this morning as uh, could be a little quieter. I think typically the spring ahead um, still messes up people. Um, yeah. Some of my clocks went ahead, <laughs> some that I thought would have didn't. And uh, so I'm not too sure what's going on, but uh, the main one is your, your phone always looks after you sort of wake up and you look down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What day is it? What time is it? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> yeah, where am I? You can hit yeah. the map. Um, so it, it's good. So <laughs> I've been using the sleep app. It's kind of funny. It sort of tells me what I sleep and what I, what I sound like when I sleep. Um, there's some pretty pretty crazy noises going on at night. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> now I kind of hear what my wife's talking about. So I guess uh, <laughs> we're trying to deal with that. So that's kind of funny. Not really, I guess, <laughs> but yeah, it's weird how you're the guy sleeping, you don't hear it. Anyway, <laughs> I usually sleep right through that stuff. It's fine. I was going to say, maybe, maybe I don't want to know that about myself. <laughs> yeah, no, some of it is, uh, is kind of funny, but it, it kind of tells you who you sleep like. Um, last night, it was uh, my, my sleep was uh, um, Oprah Winfrey. It's, oh. <laughs> uh, her cycle is sort of going to bed at 11 waking up at five sort of thing. Um, so it, it sort of tells you sort of whose cycles you kind of sleep with the, or <laughs> sleep like. So anyways, <laughs> kind of funny. Anyways, if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. A couple things we could touch on. We did touch on the fog and and a lot of times, and it's, a lot of times it's pretty accurate. I, I, a lot of times I'll mark it in the calendar. They'll say 90 days after a fog like today um typically we should see some sort of precipitation so i've i've marked that down we're in the last month of pruning your elm trees so if you have elm out there and uh end of march here is uh, when we have to we can't prune any trees past march so if you have any of those that uh, need looked after um make sure you give mark it printed up a call and uh, get that lined up because uh, it is important. We, we're, we've we kept our elm canopy nice and healthy by following these rules and and the protocol with the elms to keep the Dutch elm disease at bay. So 
we've been for, pretty fortunate. And if you're not too sure what an elm tree is, you can kind of go into some of the older neighborhoods, like down in Brentwood and in uh, some of the north, like on North Mount Drive there. And you can always stop at CB Drive-In right when you're right by there, just uh, hit there and then grab a burger and drive down through some of those older blocks. And, and what they do is they, they cover the whole street almost. Like it's they go from one side of the road to the other, and you're kind of like driving underneath a tunnel. So it's it's kind of neat when you can go into some of those older neighborhoods. You can see some of these big trees that will give you that canopy. Um, do you yeah, get is, is there uh, much of that in the High River area too? Like, is there some? Oh yeah, we've got some uh, some beautiful older trees um, here, and it's just like elms are just one of those ones. They're just the 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 size and shape. I mean, they're just majestic in terms of the you can't beat them for you know they. You definitely can pick out an elm, you know, a block or two away just by the you know just by its shape. Oh, absolutely. And when they're pruned properly and just looked after, the early shaping, um, you get that beautiful big vase shape yeah. on the Brandon elm. And there's a couple other varieties like the American elm and there's a Chinese elm. Um, real lot smaller leaves on that one. But again, gorgeous trees. And Mark, our arborist uh, who runs Prune It Up, he, he just made his, uh, he has a couple young boys and uh, he harvested some wood years ago, and he and he ran it through a mill, and and he just made a couple uh, twin beds for his boys um, out of the elm trees that he had uh, pruned years and years ago. So, anyways, pretty cool to see that beautiful wood, um, and nice to see it being used for something like that. So, um, yeah, him and for his sure. Dad built those for the for the kids, and uh, yeah. This looked awesome. So, anyways, nice job, Mark, on that. And and actually, we, and we don't build beds, so don't call us. <laughs> Bed it up. There you go. We'll start another one. Oh, my phone. We'll, uh, we'll stick to flower beds. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, there you go. Absolutely, yeah. flower beds. We can do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So a couple other things that I thought we could chat about, Terry. Actually, let, we'll take a break right now. Then we'll touch on some spring okay. bulbs, seeds, tropical plants. And if you have any other things, you can text or call 403-974-8255. You're listening to the Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And if you'd like to give us a shout, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. We got a quick question here on the text, and then we're going to go to the phone lines. It says, I have a tree I'm trying to get rid of. I've cut the multi-tree um, right, right down to the ground multiple times, and it keeps coming back. I think it's a made a strange question for a gardening show. I think this person uses voice to text like me, so I'm able to interpret that. I'm multi-linguistic <laughs> when it comes to these, so I can uh, I can uh, <laughs> I can one translate your, from one text. Of your many skills. <laughs> yeah, because she has a couple. It says a strange cushion for a gardening show, so I just uh, <laughs> I know what that means. That's a question. <laughs> 
Anyway, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, I would say it sounds like you do have a mayday. They will sucker like crazy from the bottom. Um, when you get a tree like that, the best way to probably do it is to get a uh, – you can use – we have a, a root rot. You can use that where you drill holes and it will kill the stump. But you're going to have to dig it out anyway. So I would just hire – um, a bobcat or a smaller excavator of some sort and and dig that root out dig because it's going to have multiple roots all around probably in what would you say terry like a 10 12 foot diameter that are going to sucker up like crazy yeah at least that yeah it's going to be it's going to be a pretty broad um amount of space that those roots are going to come up in around mayday yeah so uh, you definitely want to um, just dig those up, revitalize the soil after, and then you have a great usable spot again. If you just try to leave it and just keep cutting it back, you're going to have suckers coming up for days and years, and it's going to be an endless battle. So this way, if you get a machine in there, they'll, they'll rip it up, um, pull the roots out, bring in some nice fresh garden soil, and then you can either put grass or another tree or a shrub bed or whatever you want to do at that point um, will make it a lot uh better um situation for yourself then that way it's just dealt with um from that point on all right let's go to the phone lines we've got jerry on the line good morning jerry hey merle how are you doing i'm doing good sound good i haven't you? spoke to you for a while i know where you've been oh hiding out in the forest you know i had <laughs> I, I had to do a big patio i had to do the whole rock side now i've got the deer up there you know i'm always busy chasing something around here i hear you Listen, I've got my tomatoes started because I had some uh, tomatoes from last year that have got babies inside them. So I have them up and going already. But I'm wondering, I sent my guy out just to get some soil so I wouldn't have to go to the greenhouse. And he brought me a a 0.18-10-10. Is that so? It's a potting mix by Miracle Grow, which is supposed to make them big and beautiful. But I'm wondering if it's too early for that because it's got fertilizer in it or in it already. Should no, I just go out and the, get soil? A lot of the soil, like that, it's just a potting mix, is it? It's a potting mix, feeds up to six months, absorbs 33% more water, or whatever. Okay, yeah, you just got to be careful with some of those ones, especially at this time of year. They, they tend to overwater a lot of plants because they, they just soak up the water and they have these little polymer gel um, pellets inside there. Okay, okay. And I just find it's good outside. Yeah. But I just just be careful on the inside when you're using those inside as I, I do find it you tend to overwater because it just takes so long to dry out. Okay. When you okay. don't have the good sun. and Like I said, outside it's quite useful. Yeah. Okay. Um, but inside I do find that soil, um, a little bit harder and it's probably, it's similar to, I think I've seen the bag at Costco and just stay away from that. And that, and then the answer, the answer is good for just rejuvenating your beds outside and things like that. But I would never put it in a pot. Same okay. thing is okay. really heavy bark mulch, almost soil. And it's, it's really hard on your, on your plants. So the one from Costco, you mean? Yeah, it's called the answer. It's available at a couple other places yeah, too, but okay. that's okay. the the miracle grows at the same spot. Yeah, okay. and and it's it's good outside. Just inside, like I said, it has those polymer gel pellets, and yeah. then they what they do is they expand. It's sort of like what's in a diaper. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, it's like the chia seed or whatever, right? Like yeah, it just yeah. Out. So it just yeah, it expands, holds a bunch of moisture. Then it, as it dries out, it releases it back into the soil, like I said, which is useful at the right times. And we we have the little pellets that you could add to soil. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would just go to a good regular potting mix. I'm just go out in the greenhouse and just bring in some pots and let yep. them month off for a little bit. Yeah, and I that's, thought, that's what I've got them growing in now to begin with. Because I was worried, I don't want them. Well, this thing says it grows them twice the size as normal, but I don't want them growing like that right now, anyways. Right? No, like how I tall want them to they? have a nice slow. Yeah, how tall are they right now, jump. Jerry? Huh? Yeah. How, how tall are they right now, Jerry? Oh, they're just seedlings right now. They're probably, they just got their second leaves. Okay. Yeah, so I would just even just leave it till they get even about three or four inches high. Okay. And then transplant them. And okay. then just pull three or four sets of leaves off the bottom and then bury them really deep, like bury three quarters of it. Just yeah. leave 25% up. Yeah. And it'll thicken right up. And then when you transplant it again, you can do that one more time and okay. you'll have the nicest, sturdiest tomatoes going. Okay. Well, and I did give them some of this plant starter fertilizer, the 1052. Yeah, which 10. is fine. Yeah. So I gave them a bit of that the other day and they perked right up. And uh, okay, so I should leave them just for a bit, let them get a bit stronger. And yeah, just some normal yeah. soil and then out of the when you do transplant them, just plant them nice and deep, so yeah. that way they can root out and yeah. uh, get that nice heavy stalk. So when you do put them outside, they're nice and sturdy. Yeah, I'll do that for sure. And nice to chat with you again. Been missing you. All right, nice Take to hear from you. Later. Bye. Thanks, Jerry. Bye bye. Yeah, it's that time, and uh, you wouldn't know it outside right now, but Terry, um, a lot of people are starting their seeds inside. I, we had a lot of people in there yesterday picking up seeds and some grower supplies and and soil and a lot of transplanting. A lot of people coming in, picking up pots and soil, um, doing their tropical plants, which is, right outside. now is a great yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, great time for that. Absolutely. It's uh, just the days are getting longer. The plants are going to be looking for nutrients, and a lot of times the, the pots have been sitting in your house. Um, for a year or two or who knows how long there's not much soil not much nutrients left so right now is a great time to to clean up your your uh, plants a bit give them some fresh soil and uh, and go from there I brought home a, a couple uh, oxalis a couple shamrocks so as uh, tried to remind myself of spring coming so <laughs> we got St. Patrick's Day coming up and uh, I guess that's in about five days this Friday yeah, and, uh, uh, it is so, Friday this year. Yeah, so anoxalis have become quite a popular plant, even not just on St. Patrick's Day. But, yeah, we have the purple and we have the green oxalis. And then also we do have the actual whole bunch of four-leaf clovers. So if you're looking for some good luck, come on down. We got you. <laughs> All right, I got to take a break for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back. Let's talk gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And that is the talk and text. I do have a few texts. Um, Terry, we still have these pine cones, or actually, oh, I guess they would be called cones, but spruce cones. Oh, my spruce trees have um, pine cones, but actually they have cones on them. I guess they're spruce cones. That's one of those words, Terry, that's, you just automatically call them pine cones. Pine cones, what yeah. Tree. I do it all the time what, myself. <laughs> I know whatever kind of tree, but actually they would just be called just cones. But the the question is very 
um, heavy on the top. I see a lot of spruce trees with pine, with cones. Friend told me because spruce trees were sp stressed. Is this true? And what can I do to keep my trees from getting stressed? It is it is from stress being stressed out for sure. Um, but also spruce trees every two years go through a cycle where they'll do typically a heavier set of cones as well. And with the added stress, as a lot of our trees, especially in the city, um, get bigger and bigger and our warmer summers and this lack of moisture, it does become um, a stress factor on them for sure. So some of the things that I would definitely recommend is bark mulch underneath your spruce trees um, all the way out to the drip line. Um, put three or four inches of bark mulch there. That really helps hold the moisture in. Doing that slow, deep watering that we talked about, Terry, those soaker yep. hoses yep. Uh, on your big spruce um, makes a big, big difference. And just keeping them healthy. Like I had the, the pruned up crew came through and they did a, they call it the spruce cleanup or spruce thinning where the guys go right up through the middle of the tree. They clean out all the old deadwood, um, open up the airflow. And man, they look so much better. I was just, I was so impressed because they hadn't been done for years um, before we took over the property. And uh, so the guys got up and this did all my spruce. I have six big, probably 40 foot spruce trees in our, on our yard that uh, they did an awesome job cleaning up. And then the trees just, um, you can just feel it. You look up and you can see that they're happy to get the air going through them. And then that helps with that. And, and basically good food um, help prevent the moisture from dissipating with the bark mulch and then doing that slow, deep watering. And if you can give them a shot, I love the leaky hose is the best one. Um, cause that way you're not wasting water. It just slowly sweats out of the hose and you can leave it on there for eight or 10 hours, whatever. I mean, you're not going to waste. It's not running down no. the, down the, down the gutters or anything. It's going right into the root system. And uh, I just find that's the best way to water a lot of your trees. Um, just slow, slow and deep soaks in nicely for them. And, uh, and, and that's just there for them when they need it. Any other things, Terry, you'd maybe recommend for helping our trees uh, not get stressed out? Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, it sort of goes back to my theory of, you know, um, if you were that tree, what would you be looking for, right? You want that, you yeah. know, that good, that good, consistent, you know, um, consistent, if you can, um, good deep waterings, moisture. Um, that way that, you know, it's going to promote those, um, those roots to go, uh, deeper rather than more shallow. If, if all you're, you're asking me what I'm looking for, I'm looking for a margarita at five o'clock. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so that's, yeah. so think about them when you're having your margarita, get your, get your spruce tree a margarita with the yeah. hose. There you go. Exactly. And, and notably, you know, when, um, I see it all the time in the garden center, people, you know, when their trees and shrubs are, are, are young and small, they want to take everything they can home to to help that that thing out um but we forget that as as they get bigger um their need for for feeding uh, doesn't go away so um you got to keep that um keep that in the back of your mind too that you know those more established trees and shrubs they like to eat too so um it's, it's important to to uh, to get those new ones off to a good start uh but don't forget your older trees and shrubs as well for for feeding 
Yeah, and I know Mark right now in the printed up division, they're they're booking. They do the deep root uh, fertilizer injections into the ground around the drip line of the trees. And what that does, it's a high pressure hose that he has a large probe that they stick into the ground and the water comes out at higher pressure. So it opens it up to create some airflow down in the roots and and fills those up with nice nutrients. So that way your trees have good deep root, gets the food down where it needs it. And uh, and that's um, very beneficial for your for a lot of your trees. Just give them that food. And because our soil, there's not a lot left, right? When you dig down past that six inches of soil, we're into clay. And so um, supplementing with some food um, definitely makes all the difference. And when you see the trees dying at the top or smaller leaves, it's typically a sign of not enough water or and lack of food. So they this mother nature kicks in and then they they slow it down. So that's typically what happens. And uh, got a couple of texts here. Hi, Merle. Do house temperature fluctuations bother citrus plants? I have the heat turned down to 18 during the night and 25 during the day. Um, no, that's actually good. A lot of those plants, because typically that's what's happening, like even in California and, and Florida and things over overnight, like all of the temperatures go down um, like that. So that's sort of normal for that. So, uh, yeah, your your citrus are fine with that. But sometimes they will go through a a time where they drop um, leaves, and I've been uh, forcing mine to do that, not on purpose, but between stuffing it down in the basement for two months and uh, when it was looking awesome, and then <laughs> two months after, I have about eight leaves left on there, so I pulled it back up the last few days there, last couple of weeks when I was talking. <laughs> I did a bunch of pruning to it yesterday, Terry. I gave it a good flush of water. Um, I got some 30-10-10, which I'm going to give it a shot of fertilizer today. But I want to water it really well first. Um, got the water coming out the bottom of the pot. Right. And uh, today I'm going to give it a little shot of fertilizer, 30-10-10. And uh, I can get my citrus, get my lemon tree back going. So it's been a couple of years since I've had some big lemons. Um, so now I'm sort of settled. I'm hoping I can uh, get that back to where it was uh, producing. I was usually getting between 12 and 18 lemons kind of every cycle. So I'm hoping to get it back to that. And uh, there's nothing like seeing a lemon tree with big lemons on it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they're not the best looking plant. Like they're a nice looking tree, but they're not they're not one that you'd typically buy just for the look of it. You want those nice lemons on there. So, um. <laughs> Just like, just like a lot of things, I guess, right? That's right. So, yeah. So a couple more texts here. And good morning, Merle. Um, could you explain why roots in the pot of some potted plants that stand over winter go to mush? Will slow thaw prevent this? Why do some survive in a pot and others die? For example, and you mentioned sedum will survive in a pot in the winter. No, that's a good question. A lot of it is this desiccation. Um like sedums, they have enough moisture in their own plant themselves, and they have very small root system, so they don't take a lot. Like they can sit, they hibernate, they they have the moisture moisture within their own branching system, and and just they they can survive that way. A lot of times, when you have a tree in a pot, like if you're trying to put a big spruce tree, or or people put cedars or 
or trying to grow um let's say like a, a schubert or a or any kind of a deciduous tree in a pot typically they just they dry out over the winter as our chinooks so this year terry probably would have been a bit easier to grow something in a pot because it's it has staying frozen more like edmonton like in edmonton they can grow a lot more things and they can winter things in pots a lot better than we can because they don't get those chinooks right and then that's what's drying them out it dries up the soil desiccates and then just pulls everything out of the soil, which in turn pulls everything out of the plant. So there's just, there's nothing there for it. So that's typically why we can't um, winter things in, in pots, unless you get yourself a, like a really nice big, big pot. And, uh, and then you can do it that way. But other than that, it, it is tougher trying to, to winter things outside. If you leave it out in the full sun, like in, unless you're putting it in the shade or in a like an unheated garage or something like that. So that's typically those Chinooks that we love are our plant's biggest nemesis. It's 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 very hard on the plants. It's just that desiccation, that dryness. So anyways, we gotta take a quick break. All right. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and we do have a few calls. I'm going to just touch on one quick text. It says, hi, I may have missed the info about deep watering. How should one of those deep watering probes be pushed? How deep should it be pushed in? Well, you can push them in. They go into about uh, 8 to 12 inches, um, some of that. But another just a method of slow deep watering is watering from the top with one of the leaky hoses, um, so it's kind of a fabric or a rubber type hose that it just sweats. It just looks like it sweats. So the water just slowly just soaks in all the way from the top, goes down that, get it down 8, 12 inches. So you can usually leave it for 8 to 12 hours sort of every couple weeks, and you're going to get the water down there nice and deep, build that water table up around your, your drip line of your trees, and that's going to make a big, big difference on your trees. They'll be nice and healthy. And uh, that'll be probably the if, the if the one thing you could do for your trees, Terry, I think um, doing that slow watering around the drip line and ensuring that they uh, – because if, if fertilizer isn't in the budget, some other stuff, try and do what you can with it. Um, but the water – and water is expensive in Calgary because we pay um, just as much for it going in as we do out. As we do they, it, yeah. Uh, so you want to uh, utilize that uh, to the best. You don't want to be to watering off the side while you're watching no. water down. Watch your uh, water go down the drain because you're paying for that. So um, just that slow deep watering with a hose is your is your best bet. Um, just just let it soak in nice and thin, nice and slow, and then have uh, like I said, three or four inches of bark mulch. And when you first put your bark bark mulch down it's going to take a bit to saturate that so your first few times it's going to a whole bunch of it's going to be taken up by that so you want to ensure that you're uh get past that and uh and get it down nice and deep and uh and and so that's even where you could use some of those like a, a sprinkler from over top that just don't put it on full blast just let it come out a little bit more water at one time just to help get that bark mulch saturated and then once that's done, you're and it creates that weed barrier, and then you're set. You don't have weeds coming up underneath there, you, and and it's going to hold lots of moisture for you. 
but uh, we do have quite a few callers, so I'm going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Scott. Good morning, Scott. Merle, how are you today? You're doing great. How can we help you? Well, uh, first I wanted to say I think you sound a little bit like Daryl Sutter, if you've ever heard that before. <laughs> uh, some days that's a call that he's pretty funny. And other days, not so much. Eh? <laughs> lately, lately, people are on him a bit. So, uh, hey, thanks, but I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Fair enough. So the farm planted a uh, small orchard last year, plum trees, pear trees, apple trees, and cherry trees. We got them about six feet tall, and the apple trees came with fruit on them towards the end of the season. Like, we got them planted in oh, mid-August, I think, and I don't think they got a lot of water while I was gone work, and I don't think anybody else really tended to them. Yeah. But uh, the branches on the apple trees and the plum trees started to turn black, and we lost the leaves on them. We made some homemade, we, we ground up some trees and put chips on top. I don't know if they're too thick. I've had worm castings um, suggested to me, but I don't really know which way to go. They were planted in pretty heavy clay. That call you just took, I kind of feel like maybe some of that applies to me, but not really sure where to go here. Um, I got a couple things to add. Unfortunately, if the branches have gone black, um, I would just. Did you prune those all off? Um, or... Yeah, and I, I pruned back a few inches from where the black stopped, but okay. um, other branches were still turning black towards the end of last year. Yeah, so what you ended up with a bunch of desiccation. And I probably wouldn't put that fresh bark mulch on my trees as well. I would get processed composted mulch around your trees. Um, okay. or aged mulch because when you, you put fresh chipped um, tree it, it, it actually pulls nutrients out of your soil and what you don't okay. want because it needs nitrogen to decompose so it, it'll pull a lot of the nutrients out of the soil when it starts decomposing so for the first batch around your trees I would just get the good Foothills Premium um, we have it in bulk you can come in if you need a bit extra um, you can get it, and it's fairly inexpensive, and, and it goes a long way. Um, but other than that, I'm just going to – sorry, we're just up against the clock, too. So I'm just going to put you on hold, and we'll come back, yes, and then sir. we'll finish answering your uh, question here on, on your, your orchard that you're starting. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper, and we're talking with Scott regarding his orchard that maybe got a little bit neglected after it was planted, so we're going to help him uh, get that back t uh, to life. Hey, Terry, do you want to jump in on this one and uh, give uh, Scott a little bit of advice on where he can take his uh, trees to get them back up and going? Yeah, Scott, you said that this is um, this is newly planted, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So anytime we have, you know, a newly planted tree, the first couple of years, uh, that tree is going to be real busy uh, reestablishing that root system. You also mentioned you have pretty high clay uh, in, in your area, pretty high clay content uh, in your soil. Yes, and specifically where we planted them. It was by a quonset. They're going to get sun in the first part of the day and shade in the later part of the day. Right. And it's really heavy clay right there. Uh, when you when you planted those, um, how much prep did you do on those planting holes? Did you just dig the hole, plant the tree, or did you uh, amend some of that soil around the root ball? No, we didn't amend it. We just got a, a soil auger in, a hydraulic one on the bobcat, dug our holes and dropped the trees in. Right. Um, 
typically when we're planting new trees, we always say dig the hole, you know, twice the diameter, but as deep as the root ball. Um, reason for that is that we want that um, that newly uh, those newly planted roots to have a little bit better soil to reestablish themselves uh, after okay. they've been in place for a couple of years. Then they're better able to sort of bust into those natural clay soils that we have beyond that. But uh, it might be that maybe they're, they're maybe they're struggling um, with with those heavy heavy soils. Uh, that's you know my first thought. In um, yeah, and I have one other thing to add, Scott. You might want to even look at transplanting them. If you could get them out to a bit of a sunnier spot, when you're trying to grow fruit trees and trying to get good production out of them, full sun is best. So you're kind of, you have it sort of up against a Quonset, shade, poor soil. You kind of, you're fighting a, a battle right off the bat. And we could definitely okay. set you up with some shade stuff that'll do great in those spots too. But um, if you're going to want to get some fruit production and some different stuff, I would definitely try to find a spot a little bit further out, um, try and get some full sun, um, maybe prep an area and uh, set up some drip irrigation for it, which in that way you can put it on a timer and you don't have to worry about family and that helping you out with your orchard. You can rely on your timer and then that way you're not wasting water either. It's just, and it's really easy to set up a drip system. Um, like we water 500 trees at one time in our drip so it, it it's just long tubing they put a, sp a spaghetti and then a emitter at each tree so it, it is fairly easy to set up and if you're trying to grow um trees like that it, it just makes all the difference because you can just set it and forget it in some ways and you know your trees going to get that water that they're going to need to survive and yep. uh and, and start flourishing and, and and you could still were they potted trees when you when you when you put them in last year uh, yeah, they came in pots, yes. Okay, so what I would do is just maybe just find a little bit better spot, like Terry was saying, and let's auger some new holes and go a little bit bigger. So if you if the pots were five-gallon, sort of use like a 20-inch auger, drill some nice holes, and that's really good way to do it because you're grinding up the soil. And then just yeah. get a, a bag of, of compost or just good potting soil or some sort of like a three-in-one soil. And this and this mix that with the stuff that you pull out of the that you drilled and and then repot those into a new spot and uh, get some rage plus and that's something that'll just rejuvenate those roots like we are roots like crazy um, it's a seaweed based product that works really well at um, building the mycorrhiza up in the soil gets those roots going and and then I think you're going to be a lot happier with the success that you're going to be in a battle all the time. You're going to be calling me in a couple of years. Yeah, Merle, I don't get very much fruit production. It's shady. It's just you're starting off in the wrong spot. So, but I think they're not rooted in. We can pull those up, replant them, and uh, and then just start fresh in the right spot. Okay, and so the biggest reason for moving them is the shade, or do I want to get out of that heavy clay, or no? Am you, I okay you can't heavy avoid clay the clay. I... Yeah, here actually, I'm just gonna put you on hold one more time because we got sure. uh, to, we got to take a break for the news here. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back, Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper, and we've been talking with Scott. And this applies to a lot of us. That's why we're we're trying to we're going to spend a bit of extra time on this call. Um, it's planting new trees. He has an orchard. 
And but there's we're after chatting with Scott, we were looking at it, and uh, I think you have a couple other factors in there, Scott. And you're saying what was sort of the most important. Um, yes. Myself, I would say the light, and that's going to be the biggest factor as well, because trees once they get into our soil and they get into um, the clay, like trees grow in clay all the time. We only have six eight inches of loam, um, so like Terry was saying, you want to get them off to the right start for the first couple of years. But once those roots dig out past the root ball area, they're into clay and, th and then that's normal, right? And then they, they live that way and, it, and they're fine. We supplement because fruit trees aren't typically native for our area or those type of uh, fruit trees aren't. Um, you'll get Saskatoons along the riverbeds and different places, but typically you're not seeing apples and and a lot of those plants um, native to our area so we got to help supplement with soil and a bit of proper soil condition so scott definitely i i would say the light is going to be your biggest um issue as those grow and and this lack of production that you're going to get from them okay um now what you said uh the foothills premium do we work that in with like the no few inches of soil around the tree or no, that's a bark mulch that we'll put on top after after you've retransplanted them. So what I do is pre-drill your holes. Like so, you want to do this early as you can. Like as soon as we can start digging the soil and it's and the thing trees are still dormant, but you can get down there and and pull them out um, properly. So what I would do is find a new spot, pre-drill my holes. And then all the nice soil that you ground up that you pulled out of those holes, I would get a bag of three-in-one mix for each hole. And then just mix that soil with the existing. And then when you go to transplant them, you can backfill with that mix of, of clay and a three-in-one mix. And then once you got them all in, watered in really well, um, then I would put a couple inches of bark mulch over top. And and you can either put your drip line underneath the mulch, or or on top of the mulch, and and then just have your emitter set that way, and uh, and then you're good to go. But water them in really really well, and then then you can hit them with a fertilizer. Either, I'd probably use the Rage Plus, um, just because they're going to be under some stress, and we want to get that tissue, we want to get the 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 roots back to life, and get that thing uh, going again. Okay. And then as far as the black branches goes, um, prune everything black off. There's no hope for it. hundred percent. Yeah. It won't come back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's back to the next joint or. Yeah. You sort of, with some of the fruit, you can kind of see where the nodes are too. Like you'll see little yes. bumps along the branch and try and find one that's pointing outwards. Like try not to prune. Like, and actually we're doing a pruning course coming up in mid-April, uh, Mark, our certified ISA um, pruned up manager, he's going to be running a pruning course at the store um, if you want to sign up for that. But you can, you'll can, you see along the branches there will be nodes, and each of them will be pointing a certain way. And you want, typically you want to prune a lot of those so they're pointing back outwards. You don't want to prune on those nodes where something that's going to point into inside the tree because then that's going to, going to call you cause future problems so you got to do a little bit of forecasting when you're looking at those branches yeah. which way the nodes are pointing and then prune at the appropriate spot okay all righty okay 
thank you very much for your time, Merle. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. I think it's going to help a lot of people listen, and so that's why I wanted to give you a little extra time on this one. I think it was a good call, and uh, and Terry and I are someone's in the tree lot typically. So if you if you need to stop by and get a little bit more advice as you're going, um, we're more than happy to work with you. May I ask for the address? Yep, we're on McLeod Trail, one five nine two hundred tenth Ave, right on the corner of McLeod Trail and two ten on the south side of Calgary. Thank you very much, sir. All right, take care, Scott. Awesome. Bye bye. Yeah, Terry. So those are, like I said, you get the trees starting off in the right spot first of all. Um, if you're growing fruit, we want something with lots of sun, a good spot, room to grow, and uh, and then that's just going to set up the success um, in the future as it grows, eh? Yeah, that's right. Light is hugely important. I mean, if you're trying to if you're trying to grow the uh, tree in the wrong space. You're never going to get a win on it, so um, always match the plant to the space because uh, we can't, you know, we can't change the the light conditions in the, in, in an area. Uh, no, unless he tears down the quonset or something. I was going to say if there's other, you know, buildings or trees around, <laughs> then we can change it. But you know, we have to work with what's there. So, I mean, if you Absolutely. take home a fruit tree that needs, you know, minimum six to eight hours of light, um, and it only gets a sliver of, you know, an hour or two in the morning, probably wouldn't be my first pick to uh, of what to plant no, in no. that space. Move those over into, yeah. He's going to get good success. All right, let's go to Don. Good morning, Don. Morning, Merle. Great. Hey, how can we help you? Um, My question is um, I'm trying to uh, Sorry? Oh, oh, sorry. I thought I lost you there for a minute. Um, My question is so I'm trying to um, grow grasses maybe that don't need so much cutting and are yep. drought tolerant. Maybe a white clover. I'm not sure any opinions on that. Or, uh, some fescue or any thoughts on that? Yeah, big big fan of the fescue. Um, nice deep roots, a lot more drought tolerant. Um, yeah, and, and for the mowing, you can always raise it up a bit higher and some of the fescues you can let grow. Um, are you in a city lot or acreage or an acreage? Yeah. So I'm I'm a yeah I'm I'm a big fan of pulling the mowed areas closer to the house and let like sort of create a nice creative curve all the way around the perimeter of your property, like a minimum of the height of the house. So if your house is a a bungalow, so you're twin say twenty feet, I'd like to create at least a twenty foot yard. But if not, like a sort of a 50-foot, 60-foot yard all the way around your house. And then on some of those other areas, I'm okay with letting that grow longer, the native grasses. And you can get the weed out, um, get rid of the thistle and different things. But there's nothing nicer than this grass going in the wind and then create a purposely shaped area that you do mow all the time. Instead of trying to mow, like if you have a four-acre lot or a two-acre lot, from fence to fence post, um, let yeah. some of those grow and create a few groves of trees in some of those areas. And it looks great. Similar to when you drive by like uh, Heritage Point Golf Course, where where they let they mow the greens and that fairway, but the less that the rest they let grow. I, I just love that look, and I and I sometimes wonder why people insist on mowing the full four acres or or two acre lots that they have that they have a great opportunity to create something kind of creative 
All right. Good idea. And what do you think of white clover? Is that a... Yeah, it's a, we sell a lot of it. A lot of people come in t and take it. Um, it's Are you going to mix it into the existing lawn, or are you thinking of starting fresh? I was hoping it could be mixed into the existing lawn or round it up and then just put it on top. Yeah, no, you can typically you can mix it in. If you don't have a super healthy lawn, you could just top dress with some soil and then mix your clover seed over top and uh, and go that route for sure. Okay. And one more question. I had a, a couple of trees that I think got attacked. I thought maybe it was a deer, but I have a feeling it's a, it was a porcupine that stripped them from top to bottom. Every, yeah. every bit of bark on a couple of trees, but yeah. I expect they're... They're, I'd get the chainsaw out and <laughs> chop them down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> porcupines are the worst... And typically they'll, I hate, like they get into the middle of a spruce tree and you can't see them. And they just chew all the bark off the center trunk of a tree. And, uh, yeah, it's it's done. You can't, uh, they've, they've taken it right down to the cambian layer on the trunk. And basically that tree is just going to die off. And... All right, thank you. I appreciate your help. Or I could sell you about 100 tubes of lac balsam and we can try and replace the bark. <laughs> 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 All right. I probably, I probably wouldn't feel great about that one either. So, anyway, I'll replant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Don. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, Terry, that's a tough one. Amy, to get some of those predators come in, those critters like porcupine and some of the deer, and uh, they can cause some grief on your trees and shrubs for sure. Yeah, for sure they can, and in short order too. I mean. Nothing worse than something that you sort of, you know, have some pride and and babied for a few years, and then to have it come in and just chewed up uh, overnight almost. It's it's pretty disheartening, but um, yeah, that's uh, absolutely. And when it that's warms part of up playing here, with Mother Nature. Absolutely, we're we're going into her backyard, so we gotta yep. we gotta deal with that. But we have there's a couple of products, and right now as the day's gonna warm up, and especially with the deep snow, the deer. And some of these animals are going to be looking for something to gnaw on. So we do have a product called Bobax, and it's a natural herb-based product. Um, works great on your trees and shrubs. Um, spray it on usually once a month. Unless we're into a, a ton of rain, you might need to add a bit more to it. But just you spray it once a month around the, all over the bark and your shrubs. And, that, and it's a big deterrent for a lot of those deer and uh, porcupines and critters to come and gnaw on your on your trees and shrubs. So um, look at that, doing a little bit of preventative uh, maintenance on those to help um, keep the critters from chewing on your trees because there's lots of typically lots of other trees they can chew on. But right now we're going to take a quick break. All right, and you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and I'm here with Terry Kemper and we're going to go right to the phone lines and we got we have a couple of Craigs and a Ray but we're going to go Craig number one. Good morning Craig. Hi, am I number one? I believe <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> right. How can I help you? Um, I've got a Mugo pine that the deer just destroyed. Uh, can mm. I chop it to the ground and will it come back if I do? Um, typically no. Um evergreens aren't quite like the deciduous they still need some life to it did they just they just chewed everything off chewed most of the leaves or 
needles off. Needles. Yeah. yeah. Um, you might on the end, you still might get some new growth coming from it, and 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 just kind of see if if you had a chance, maybe you can text Terry and I a picture of it to the same phone number. Um, cause then maybe you could create like a bonsai, but unless it, if it chewed a bunch of the bark and all that off again, I think you might be out of luck. I think I would, uh, probably just, unfortunately, maybe just start over Terry, any thoughts? Yeah, it's, it sounds like it might be a lost cause, uh, depending on how much is left there. So, um, yeah, send us a, send us a text or we'll take a look at it and see. I'll do that. They also ate, uh, about five feet of the cedar tree so it's all they didn't eat the bark they ate all the foliage yeah, they, can i, pl- I was, plant something in the bottom of that to cover that like some absolutely kind of yeah just put like a nice shrub put a, like a hydrangea or something underneath there um maybe a nine bark and then just, it'll okay. be planted in front of it i just commented on that the deer were roaming through my neighborhood here um last night and a bunch of the cedars have been trimmed up five feet from the bottom from the yeah. from the spruce yeah. trees so okay great i'll send you guys a picture all right perfect thanks. all right thanks greg yeah, yeah and again it's it's the deer this time of year they're they're becoming active um lumber starting to rot they they love um rubbing their uh, antlers up against spruce trees mugo pines um things like that and they they love to get in and uh and just investigate, and a lot of times they'll just start chewing it up. So you got to uh, gotta try to deter them from doing that. Okay, we got time. We'll go to Ray. Good morning, Ray. Hey, good morning, Merle. Say, so, listen, hey. it sounds to me like Scott uh, found a tree graveyard for his trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or he's going to create one. But we're going to get him on the right track. Yeah, yeah. It, that was an interesting conversation. Listen, uh, have... Um, Years ago, um, your buddy yours, Wade Hartwell, um, yep. he he brought in an ever-bearing, uh, non-suckering raspberry. Okay. And I don't know, I, I I haven't seen them around for a long time, but I had a beautiful patch of those in uh, when I was in uh, Willow Park, and uh, I I haven't seen them or can't find them, and I don't know if they're still available or or what's up with that now. It costs me a little extra money. Terry's going to answer that one for us. What's that? Yeah, you said it was uh, a non-suckering. Ever-bearing, non-suckering. Yeah, I I used to get about, uh, and I fertilized them well and looked after them. But uh, I used to get about four months of raspberries. Wow, that's a good harvest. Uh, I'm not familiar with the cultivar that you're talking about. Um, well, raspberry you know probably falls two categories for us. One that produces well, on second-year wood. I, to but, be honest with you, um, I, you know, and I haven't gone back deep, okay, to research, okay, whether that product's still available or not on on Google or whatever. But yeah. uh, I just thought I'd throw that out at you. And, uh, I mean, it was, uh, they, they were amazing. And, I, I be, and prior to that, we had the Boyne raspberries, and we used to have an acre of them up back out in the farm. So, uh, and that's what I got right now. But um, you know, they 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 produce well, and they love to sucker though. And that's in that you know bit of a invasive situation uh, in people's yards. 
Yeah, they're definitely a challenge, and they like to, you know, traditionally they like to move around a little bit, so you want to keep them contained for sure. Uh, yeah. well, I, I, I haven't had a problem keeping them contained, but um, but they, you know, I, they were varying okay. Was uh, you know, and uh, and non suckering was uh, something that I've been looking for and can't find. Yeah, I will make a note here, and I'll uh, text into the show, and I'll uh, do some checking and see what we have available. Maybe there's something out there that we're uh, not, you know, bringing in and should be. But uh, let, let me do some work on that for you. You know, I'd appreciate that, and uh, I don't know if you've got my number, but when do you think you'll have that info? So uh, I'll work on it this week, so just text it into the uh, text line, and uh, I will do some checking on that for you and see if there's something out there that uh, we're maybe not bringing in and, and should be. I'm going to call you back in a week or two and pick your mind then again, for sure. Sure. Sounds good. Sounds good, right? Secondly, yeah. Secondly, uh, Merle, do you, have, do you carry... Um, an organic water-soluble fertilizer, and I know we're pushing it a little bit maybe there too, with a wetting agent in it. Um, no, most of the, like the Evolve product, it, it, the wetting isn't needed because typically you'll need that for a lot of fungicides because you get that powdery and they need to, to, to stick. Um, so typically when you get a good water soluble, the organic, it mixes so well that you, you, it is, it soaks right in and a wetting isn't needed. Right. Uh, third, yeah, and a third situation here, I don't know if people know that uh, you can eat deer, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, just not in the city. I don't think they'd... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Taking them out on the boulevard okay, is probably by the, the way, best bet. Pork so. tastes like pork, okay? If you, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you've ever tried it. Okay, <clears throat> I have it though, but I'll take your word for it. All right, thanks, Ray. Take, <laughs> take care. care of yourself, bro. Bye bye. I guess it makes sense. Porcupine tastes like pork. I guess Terry. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to take a break for the news. All right. On that note. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. Um, we did get the the picture from Don, I believe, is uh, with his Mugo Pine. It. I'm going to text you a picture... Um, Don, just from my my phone, um, or actually, I'll see if I can get it onto here. I should be able to. Um, there, there was uh, one that was done in Calgary with a, a spruce tree that was pretty gnarly looking that you could create a bit of a topiary because it doesn't look like all of the branches are chewed right down. It just needs to be thinned out, remove a bunch of the dead wood, and kind of see when this thing flushes out and sort of see what's left of the of the mugo but uh, with a little bit of shaping a little bit of work um we could probably salvage this and and have it look okay but i will uh i'll try to send you over a picture of one that was from a like i said a gnarly looking spruce tree that actually looks pretty cool that was pruned into sort of a topiar type thing so Anyways, if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And we do have Craig on the line. Good morning, Craig. Hi, Craig. 
Oh, we just lost them. So if you want to come back, I heard it click there, Craig. If you want to uh, call us back, 403-974-8255. Um, you can give us a call. We'd be uh, more than happy to to take it. Um, Terry, so like when you if you're able to see that uh, the the Mugo pine there? Yeah, I did see that. Um, so they they did a pretty good number on it, but yeah, there's still some life left in that. So I think maybe, like you said, with some selective pruning, um, I'd probably look at adding some other things as a, as a filler in there, like maybe even some Carl's some Carl Forrester, which will get you know five six feet tall. Um, might kind of hide some of that as well. So I think I think yeah, there's it, some options there still. Yeah, some companion planting, eh? Yeah, maybe, you know, possibly if there's space, you know, uh, Diablo 9 bark, which will get into that, you know, five, six-foot tall range, um, could fill in and help that out nicely, I think. Yeah, and that's actually good. Yeah, and just thin it out. There's, it looks like it was probably in need of some pruning anyways. It looks like there's some, there was some dead branching and a few things through there. Yeah. So I, I just think, and uh, a bit of pruning, and you're going to get a lot of new growth will pop out on some of the top so if we just clean it up um remove some of the lower branching sort of create that top topiary and then try to clump up the top things you might be able to to create something actually kind of neat looking in that spot so i uh i have uh i have some hope in that so anyway yeah i wouldn't get the chainsaw just yet nope um that one looks like we can definitely salvage it if we can and and sometimes those become kind of a little project and uh it's similar like i said the market sent me a picture of a spruce tree that was done it was a smaller spruce tree that just looked really quite bad and and the crew had uh, taken some time and pruned it into uh into a topiar and it looks uh it looks pretty awesome now so anyways um actually here we got a couple other texts here the two Oh, actually, this is a, a picture of one. This will be a little bit hard to explain on the air. Two little trees beside the three columnars are dying. How do I take them out? And do I need to dig them out deeply? Yeah, that's and sometimes when you have a, and this is a driveway planting, Terry, there's some smaller evergreen that looks like there's some sort of a trees in between the columnar aspens. This is getting choked out. So really, what do you, what do you got to do to get rid of those? Uh, I'm just trying to bring that picture up. If it's if they're small enough still, um, you know, you want to try and get as I wish I could see the picture. You want to try and get as obviously as much of the root ball as you can if you're going to move them. Um, yeah. I always like to if I'm going to move something, even if it's on a little bit bigger side, try to uh, and I've mentioned this before, set it up in the fall for that move. You can just you know um, take your shovel and go around the um, go around the trunk. Um, Define the root ball at that time, sort of sets it up. The tree knowing that hey, something's going on here. You might need um, two or three bodies to help you. Um, if you can pop that out onto a tarp, um, much easier to drag a tarp around for a big root ball with a group of two or three people uh, than you know wrestling it into a wheelbarrow or something like that. But that would be my recommendation if you're trying to remove a, a more established planting. Get as big a root ball as you can. And um, yeah, get some help. Yeah, and it, I'm not sure if she's looking to to keep it as well, um, but it it just needs to be uh, um, taken out. 
as well. Um, not necessarily saved. I guess she's more or less looking just to get rid of it. So get rid of it. I think. Yeah. It, yeah. So I, I think I would just, even if you have to just get in there and dig, dig as close as you can to the root, uh, get about six, six, eight inches away from the trunk of the tree you're trying to, to replace and, uh, and just dig her out. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's uh, somewhat what you got to do, right? Well, sometimes and... we, sometimes we do that with our yards, right? We, we like that lush full look. So we have a tendency, I think, to overplant. And, you know, we don't really pay too close attention to those tree tags sometime when it says it's going to get, you know, 15, 20 feet tall and 8 to 10 feet wide. Um, yeah. Genetically, those plants know the size and shape that they need to be. So uh, if we do that, if we do overplant, we just have to be prepared down the road that maybe once uh, our yards get a little more established, that those things do have to do have to come out eventually. No, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, that one was we can hopefully look after that. And I got a quick question here. What kind of elm tree would you recommend and how big can they be purchased? Uh, Do you want to take that I, one, Terry? I guess our, our call it our best-selling one would be the Brandon, uh, Brandon elm. Uh, they can come in, in uh, caliper. So you can get, you know, a um, 50, 60, uh, 70 millimeter caliper uh, or you can get potted too uh, I'm a big fan of potted uh, I like how much quicker they establish for us because proportionally they come with more of their root ball yep. so um, 15 20 gallon uh, Brandon uh, we've had some pretty large Brandons uh, in the tree lot uh, potted so um, I wouldn't discount the the potted guys uh, if you're if you're looking at a if you're looking at an elm but um Absolutely, you get the nice 15, 20 gallon, you're going to get a great looking tree. Um, absolutely will, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um, so, yeah, and typically they're going to be, what, 10, 15 feet high um, at least. And we will have some in caliper as well in the basket. Um, but typically you're looking at about a 25% more cost. Um, this the delivery and install on them and the tree itself is... Uh, it's going to be larger as well. Yeah, and Dana yeah. just uh, texts us back. Yeah, they're not saving those trees. Yeah, so just get in there. Get that six, eight inches away from the trunk. Just dig down with a sharp uh, shovel as you can get and just try and pull out as much root system as you can without getting too close to the to the columnar aspens and remove the ones that you're trying to get out and then just uh, fill it back in with soil and uh, and then you should be good to go on that. So anyways... Um, where are we at? We should probably take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. We're going to go right to the phone lines. We have a couple callers. <clears throat> We're going to go to Debbie. Good morning, Debbie. Hi. Um, I have a, a Toba Hawthorne that's about six years old. And I really cherish it. And two years ago, I put a bird feeder in it because it's right okay. out my dining window. The birds came, which was wonderful, but so did some gooky, sticky stuff. It got sick really quickly within weeks. So I Googled it and I sprayed it with an oil spray and I did that repeatedly over the summer. And it survived and last year it was beautiful again. If I put a bird feeder in again, is it going to get sick or did I do something wrong? Uh, Terry? Um, 
it's, it's hard to say what that was. Um, you yeah, could, for, like, yeah I mean, rather you've, you've had that experience of, you know, the, the first time the cheater in there didn't go well. What I might do is get one of the... Um, the longer shepherd's hooks, the, uh, the, the are in that six, seven foot range. Um, and if you want to have that view outside your window and still see the birds, um, maybe try and position that feeder on one of those hooks a little bit away from the tree this time. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, we've You're got smart. A, that's not the gardening show. Yeah, we've got. There's there a nice go. selection of, of 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 hooks out there that you can get uh, that have a bit of a spike on the bottom. You can just poke that in the ground and then hang your feeder off of that. Okay, because I, I did read that Toba hawthorns were kind of prone to getting things, or they were a bit finicky, and uh, and I don't want to lose it. But it was really nice to see the birds. Okay. Yeah, in, and you just got to watch with the pruning. Like if you have any broken or or if you do any pruning, like leaving stubs and stuff. They are fairly prone. So it sounds like you maybe had a bit of globosa, like where you get that ooze coming out of a branch or something like that. Yeah, but um, but that wasn't that wasn't what happened. It was there were leaves that were turning all brown, and it was white sticky stuff. And then when I sprayed okay. it, repeated it, it okay. went it away. Okay, it could also be. Is there a juniper? You could have that cedar apple rust. Like was it? Did it look like a like a lack of a better like a pimple almost with hair on it like did you have bumps on the leaves at all and no sort of it, it was sticky, just like gooey? Little, little sticky gooey stuff okay because sometimes yeah. if you have a juniper close by and toba hawthorns you can get a, a an uh it's a situation that it's called cedar apple rust and the two combined mm. and it creates a fungus and uh that'll end up on the leaf of a of a toba hawthorn or, or on the juniper, so it kind of it affects both. It kind of creates that sort of perfect little storm where where those two plants will create that problem. Right. Okay. Thank you for your help. All right. Take care. Right. Okay. Bye bye. Thanks, Debbie. Bye bye. All right. Actually, we got time. We'll take one more here. We'll go to Darcy. Good morning, Darcy. Hello, guys. Uh, Hello. My my question is, uh, I'm on a farm on Southeast Calgary. We uh, got some uh, lilac bushes. They're pro they were planted in the 70s, and uh, nothing's really been done to them, and they're not really producing that many flowers. They're probably 12 to 15 feet high. I was wondering what a person can do. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah, so they'll respond really well to uh, call it a rejuvenation prune. Um, I have a really large quite older lilac in, in my front yard uh, that I've gone after quite aggressively, mm -hmm. never thinking, uh, only because it was getting a little bit too big, right. um, never thinking that it would grow back to the extent that it did. Right. But uh, within a couple of years of, uh, of my deep, hard prune on part of it, it's come back um, fast and furious. So they'll respond well to, I probably took that to within, you know, uh, a foot or two of the ground. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you've got lilacs that are in that 10, 12 feet tall, yeah. you could e easily do that, give them that <clears throat> rejuvenation prune, uh, and uh, and they should respond well. Like you're you're talking, um, like just chop them right down, like about yeah. what uh, what did you say uh, about 10 inches or something? Um, yeah, you can take them down to within a foot of the ground for sure. Foot of the ground, and then just give them some 20, 20, 20, or 
Uh, I would probably use some of our um, uh, Green It Up fertilizer uh, uh-huh. just because it's granular. It's easy to apply. Okay. Uh, I, use, I use our Green It Up fertilizer not just on my lawn, but yeah. also on my tree and shrub beds and perennials too. So uh, it's nice because it, it's easy to use, slow release. The formulation is, is good. It's got you know lots of phosphorus in there to get those... Uh, um, rejuvenate those roots, right? And um, yeah, that's that's how I would probably approach your um, your situation there. Um, like we, they're kind of we use them a, more or less kind of like a windbreak. How long how long would it take for them to get growing again? Like how high would they grow? Like say this summer, if I when like when do I can, can you I get cut five them? or six feet probably? Like if you cut yeah. them right now, yeah, go for um, by summertime, because all that energy that was going into that old deadwood yeah. is going to go into that nice new growth. So you're going to see five, six feet. Oh, right. Right on. That's good. Yep. Cause, yeah, that's good. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. All right. Bye Thank- now. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. We're going to take another break here. This will be the last one of the show, and then we'll be back. If you want to join us, we might have time for one or two more calls. 403-974-8255. You're listening to... Let's talk gardening on QR Calgary. <clears throat> Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs here with Terry Kemper. We're going to go to the phone lines. We got Brian on the line. Good morning, Brian. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good, good. How can we help you? Well, I got a question for you. We, uh, we got uh, 20 of the small blue spruce from you guys about four years ago. Okay. Yeah, I put them on the north fence line with that bubbler system, and uh, the majority of them are about four feet now. Okay. But what I want to do is move them and then use the bubbler system for another uh, set of different trees for our shelter belt. But, like, is there a better time or a better height when to move those trees? No, you're probably at a good height. Um, you're about four feet. Well, average, I would pro- I got and one how many? That's five feet. I got one that's three. But, yeah, they're about four feet. How how many do you got, Brian? Twenty. Okay, I would probably look at just hiring a local guy with a smaller tree spade on the front of a bobcat. Yeah. Um, if you can do that, like it's fairly reasonable. A lot of those guys will do it at an hourly rate. And if you're moving them on your property, I would just get him popping them back and forth, and they won't even know that they got moved. Like, okay, and no, then just great. do it. My neighbor's got a spade. Yeah, so do it early spring, like when the just when the before they start swelling up, when you can start digging, and okay. that's what I would do. Is then you just they won't even know what happened, and be, they'll be in their new spot, and away you go. Okay, and then uh, just a quick question: You guys are kind of uh, talking about the Brandon elms, but Reva likes the American elm. Is that something I could put in those in those wells where I've got the bubbler system to help absolutely, with or do they get too big? Well, if they're gonna, how far apart are the holes? Oh, I did them about four feet apart. That's why I have to move them, right? Yeah, to get more yeah. Mature. So way too close. So if you, especially if you want to leave them there, I'd go fifteen feet minimum apart. On the elms. Yeah. So you could maybe plant an elm, put two more spruce or something else in the holes in between, right. and then. Okay, and that... the American elm is good to our zone. Absolutely. Yeah, it just a, it, you got to keep it a little bit shaped too. It could get a bit wonky on you. Okay. But no, nice looking tree. 
Okay, well, that's great. And then uh, Vegas just fired a quick question at me. Can uh, we direct so B-bomb? Terry? Direct so B-bomb? I would probably start it from established plants. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. out of my realm here. I'm just the guy who digs holes out here, man. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. That's why I went to Terry. <laughs> right. Okay, so I start him at what, Terry? Sorry? I, what, how do I do this, sir? Uh, so beet bomb is, or Menarda is the plant that we bring into the uh, prep house. So I would uh, start it. It would it would bulk up within a couple of years if you wanted to grow it, um, you know, on mass. Maybe buy two or three plants, grow it on, and then divide it in a couple of years. But I would okay. I would start with that over over seed for 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 Menarda. Fabulous. Well, thank you for that. I'm uh, going to give Vegas to take notes on that. All right. All right. There you go. Thanks, you guys. All right, gentlemen. Thank you again. Nice to hear from you. Take care. You as well. Have a Bye-bye. Good day, Take care. Bye-bye. <clears throat> All right. Um, yeah, we got a couple minutes here, and I've been texting with Angela. She's looking for – she has this beautiful, big uh, um, type of um, – why can't I think of it right now? Type of plant, and it's beautiful, great big, uh, like a syngonium-type plant and and it's just she transplanted a year ago into a 24 inch pot looking for a larger pot um you're probably going to have to get into um some of our outdoor clay and we do have some larger um plastic poly pots um in that 36 inch they're going to about the 150 dollar range 100 dollar range um <clears throat> typically is what you're going to see when you get to those big pots but it, you're gonna need to get. It's just you're. It's just doing so well, and uh, you want to get it into a nice looking. Yeah, it's actually a syngonium, um, beautiful plant. Big big leaves on it, but those ones they bulk up so quick, and they fill the pots up. So you almost need to jump up to like a 36 inch pot, and uh, and go from there. And that should um, hopefully hold that in place for three or four years for you once you jump up from where you're at right now i'd go to quite a bit larger and then that way you don't have to do it again and uh, and you'll see that when you get your plants nice and healthy especially some of those larger plants um they're gonna grow quick like if you have the right light terry like like a big monsteria or yep. these um some of these larger plants like they just get going and like I know a buddy of mine has one like out in Invermere and they have bright windows and they have some monsteras and stuff that just grew like to the roof of big yucca, a few different things. So anyways, we got to go. Thanks, Terry. I appreciate right. you joining me again today. Um, we'll see you tomorrow back at work. And uh, anyways, we'll get our garden on right here on QR Calgary. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.